there's a lot more work out there than you could ever even handle. But the question is, is do they know you do what you do? That's the voice of Nolan Thompson, owner of Nolan Built. And I'm excited to talk with him right after a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Jobber. Jobber is software to organize and manage your business. From quoting a project to getting paid to everything in between, Jobber software brings everything together to make projects easy to manage and customers happy, giving you more time in your day and getting you paid faster. Go to getjobber.com Ethan or check out the link in the show notes for a free 14-day trial of Jobber. And if you try it now, you get 20% off your first six months when you sign up. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Nolan Thompson, owner of the Virginia-based furniture company, Nolan Built. Nolan has a plan, and he's been following it. But as every business owner knows, plans change, and the measure of your success isn't how good the plan you started with was, it is how well you were able to adjust your plan to still reach your goals. This is something that Nolan knows well, and he has managed these changes throughout his career, adjusting his building practices, adjusting his pricing, adjusting his overall business plan, but still heading towards the same end goal that he started with. Follow along as we talk about the importance of community in the furniture industry, how to make your website more searchable online, why it's okay to not know all the answers, and much more. We have a lot to cover in this episode, so let's jump right in and hear about Nolan's journey in his own words. To give you a little background, previous to it working, I worked in a uh, local shipyard here in uh, Newport News where I worked on uh, nuclear aircraft carriers and submarines. So a lot of my handyman or handiness of learning or, or learning how to use tools, power tools and things of that nature came from that industry. And when I was working there, I was trying to get off my tools because I wanted to go into management and uh, preserve my body and long-term retirement and all that good stuff. Well, I got into management and I quickly realized how bored I was. And uh, so in order to be able to get that, I guess, sense of satisfaction or gratification that I did have from working with my hands, I picked up some tools. And I think my first set of tools was like some Black & Decker uh, Matrix. It was called Black & Decker Matrix. It was basically uh, a drill, an oscillating tool, sander and it's basically you can just switch the heads to all of these like a little saw a jigsaw and um uh, something else but anywho started with that and then i think i picked up uh, the hitachi miter saw and started doing stuff uh around the house and for my church and pretty much from there it kind of just kept on growing every time i would do a project i needed another tool and it grew from there and at that point my girlfriend every time we have a holiday or a uh, birthday or anything like that and she would ask me what i wanted it would just be either a gift card to home depot or lowe's or a tool or a specific tool and she kind of just filled that fire and one thing led to another and in about 2015 i was traveling with my job so i couldn't really uh 
do what I wanted to do as far as business-wise, but I did lock in and start my business LLC and lock in my name and everything that I wanted it to be. And so it really didn't start actually uh, becoming a business to the public until 2017. But you were laying that groundwork. You knew, one, that you wanted to get back into working with your hands, and that was something that gave you joy. And you thought that getting out of it, you thought that working in an office and being in management would give you that satisfaction, but it didn't. You wanted to jump back into the hand-to-hand work of creating things. And that's something that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. There is that satisfaction of building things with your own two hands. It starts in the beginning of the day is just raw materials, and then it becomes an actual piece of furniture. And that that comes with a level of, of understanding that you can build things and it feels good. But building furniture and being able to build furniture is only half of the equation when it comes to having a furniture business. You also do need to have that management part. You need to have that front office part because you're building but you're also selling and you're also dealing with clients and you're also building the business part of your furniture business. So when you started in 2015 and you started to lay the groundwork, what were you doing in those two years before you went officially live to the public? How were you building your company up to be able to be successful when you actually started taking on official clients? Well, I knew I needed something to showcase. So my initial idea was to take the money that I was making at my job and use it to fund what it was I wanted to sell. Um, With woodworking being such a broad thing, I wanted to be specific at what I wanted to do and wanted to do something that I knew that I would enjoy. And that thing for me was uh, making tables. I watched uh, many makers on Instagram and the tables really caught my interest. So basically I chose tables and uh, went out and bought the materials. Uh, you know, like, like most makers, I started off with pine construction grade lumber and made a couple tables. I was, I was privileged enough to, have learned from the YouTube university and the Instagram university to know not to use uh, pocket holes and things of that nature. So I had watched enough videos to know the proper way to go about doing it. And so I made, um, I think I made two, maybe two or three tables that were just for showcase only, like basically just enough to, to be able to put on a website and showcase and pretty much put out there to Facebook and Instagram and whoever else I could show off to, to try to get those orders coming in. And I didn't necessarily get those orders right up front. I got some other orders and other random things. Hey, can you make this or that? But um, that portfolio gave me what I wanted to. And once I actually started getting some actual customers for tables, I basically just kept on building that portfolio and adding each table to my website so that when people did go look at my website, they had something to choose from. Like in the beginning, I didn't believe that anybody would pay for 
say a hardwood walnut table because I wouldn't pay for it. And I had to quickly get out of the mindset of charging what I would pay for because that wasn't necessarily what other people would pay for and that there are people that want specific things and want things done at a certain quality level and that they, they're willing to pay for. That mindset of what you personally think your furniture is worth is so dangerous because the reason you don't attach a great amount of worth to that piece is because you know you can build it. You know that you could build it for... Yeah, at cost. <laughs> at cost. But yeah. you forget that your clients can't build it. They're the ones who are paying the money. They're the ones who are buying the furniture and they can't build it themselves. Just like you look at another profession and you go to a restaurant because you can't cook that quality of food and you want to enjoy something at that quality, you have to think about it the other way that your clients are coming to you because they can't build the quality that you're building. And so that mindset of I can build it and it's easy or easier for me to build it is a dangerous place to start because you end up always selling yourself short. You can't be afraid to give out a price that somebody's going to say no to. You have to be able to give out what you're worth or what it is that you're trying to make or whatever profit margin that you're trying to get to and accept no as no because eventually you'll realize that every every customer is not going to be a fit for you and every dollar is not necessarily a good dollar. Sometimes you can just kind of hear it in a customer's voice whether or not you really want to work with them you know, if they're nitpicking or, or, or really specific or even kind of scatterbrained at the beginning of the process, it might be, you know, some flags out there saying, hey, I need to, you know, make sure I price this accordingly. And, you know, if I'm going to work with this person, then um, they and they want the to have so much input into the situation, then, you know, you got to price accordingly for how you feel that is going to affect your time and your management of the job because just because you get that one job doesn't mean you're not going to have another job right behind it. So if your first job goes way off schedule and you don't have the ability to work multiple jobs at the same time, then you have to take into account how much money you're going to lose by taking on the client that wants to be, you know, hands-on in, in every little detail. I love that. Every dollar is not always a good dollar. That's a great way to put it because you can leave money on the table. You can say no to jobs and it's scary and it's hard. And you say, but I could do that job and I want that money. But the other side of you thinks this job's going to be a nightmare. I'm going to end up losing time, losing sleep and probably losing money over dealing with this client. So I agree, every dollar is not always a good dollar. That makes sense to me. You have on your website, customer reviews. And that's important because 
websites and the internet in general, it's not like word of mouth recommendations. It's searching for furniture and you come upon somebody and there it is. There's their website, but you don't know this person. So customer reviews are an important way to put your client at ease. How do you go about getting customer reviews without forcing it, without your customer feeling like you're asking them too much? Because it's a transaction. You build a piece of furniture for somebody and then you give it to them. And you're not best friends and you're not necessarily going to interact much after that. So do you ask for customer reviews or do you just take them when they're given to you? No, I'm straightforward. I ask them because I know that that is a part of my business. Those reviews help me get more business. So I'm not afraid to ask them. And you got to remember too, that when I'm building something for somebody, it's, it's over, you know, a three, four, five, six week period. So I'm building a relationship with them. When I'm in their homes, it's not always just business. Like I'm, I'm pretty personable. I, I get to know them a little bit and, you know, kind of get to know what they do and things of that nature. And, you know, just kind of, you know, break that ice, get them, get them to feel comfortable with you. And when you're, I guess, say, pitching the idea or design or what it is that they want, and say so you show them this 3D program and all this stuff, that's all cool. But at the same time, I'm also like, hey, man, I love your house. It looks beautiful in here. And you know what I'm saying? I see that you, you're interested in this and you're know, on the wall. That's pretty cool. I like that too. You know, I make those conversations to make people feel more comfortable. So at the end of the process, I say, hey, look, man, would you mind um, leaving me a customer review? Uh, I, I get them to leave it on, on Google reviews because that is where my business gets the most uh, generation from. But um, I basically asked them, hey, would you mind you know, leave me a re- review or whatnot if you you were, you know, think that I did a, a good enough job. And, and nine times out of 10, they're like, yeah, man, yeah, I'll do it. And they'll do it before I even leave sometimes. It just depends on the relationship you build with them during the actual build process. Building a relationship with a client is very important. And, and you can have touch points with the client where you're interested in the same things or you're easy to talk to and they're easy to talk to and and you build up a rapport and that helps with the process but where you usually see the most divide between a furniture business owner and a client is at pricing before you and the client agree on a price you have to come up with that price so how do you work your pricing? How do you set that up for each project? Well, that is definitely one thing that I am still working on. I'm still not charging enough, even after initially raising my prices from from my, from years ago. Uh, I'm still not charging enough, and it was it was you know, mostly my fault. Um, I was just doing basic um, taking. I initially started out with just doing basic materials times two. And, you know, taking that and, and, and running with it. Um, right now, I'm at probably about materials times three. And that's just because I really I really don't charge necessarily an hourly rate 
or my labor or whatever, because I, me particular, I think I work slow. Um, I, at least I, it's, at least that's how I feel. I feel like I work slow. So for me to charge you hourly rate, you wouldn't be able to afford me. So <laughs> yeah, I work all kinds of crazy hours and stuff like that. So, and it, and it also depends on what it is that I'm, that I'm making too. If it's uh, something, you know, running a meal kind of uh, something that I've done before, I kind of kind of know what the price is and know what my, my profit margin, what I want it to be. And then if it's something like that I haven't done before and say it may has has a lot of detail and intricacy, then I will charge extra for for just that that learning curve and the extra time it's gonna take me to get it to a point where it is a finished product that looks good in the customer's home. There's no shame in not having your pricing where you want it to be. A lot of people don't have their pricing where they want it to be. It's one of the hardest things of running a business. One thing that I'm learning as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, is that you're always going to continue to be learning. It's never going to be a point in time where you, you know it all and it, it is because everything in the world is changing. So today my price might be this and tomorrow it might be something else just based on what's going on in the world. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that my price is not, not set yet because I am continually working on building my business and to increase my value also. Like I, I want to continue to make better and better and higher quality and higher quality pieces until I get to say profit margins that I have in mind that will help me support my family the way I want to support my family. You know, one of my goals is to be able to, you know, retire my wife. All right. I was able to leave my job full time and go do what I do every day and love and enjoy it. But she's still working and she's, she's, you know, pretty much holding down the fort in the house and everything while I'm doing this. I just want to be able to return the favor. Like my wife's without her, I wouldn't be, be here. I wouldn't even be able to be making this furniture at all. She has been a hundred percent supportive since the beginning. So, so now my goal is to say, all right, I have to work this business and grow this business to a point where I can return that favor and then some. That's two very important points that you brought up. One, a support structure with people who are outside of your business that you can rely on. And number two, your pricing isn't where you want it to be, but you know that and you have a goal to get it to somewhere. It's one thing to, to not understand where you're having a problem with your business. You're working very hard, but you're not making money and you don't know where your business is leaking. You don't know where the ship is leaking from. And you say, why am I not making the money that I think I should? But it's another thing entirely to know that you're not making that money and have a goal to reach that. Because that is, like you said, the way businesses evolve, the way they grow. And as long as you have a plan to get there, then that is an important part of how to run your business. The other one that you touched on is a support structure outside of your actual business. And you have that with your family, with your wife, and other people have that with friends or loved ones or family members or people in the community, but that's an important thing to have completely outside of the 
business side of the business because that's who you can talk to when things go good or bad. And that's the people who you can celebrate with or have a shoulder to cry on outside of the ones and zeros of the actual business world. So as far as the family and support structure, um, uh, a lot of people don't know that when I went and made the decision to go full time with my business and uh, leave my full time job behind, um, that was a decision not taken lightly and that um, me and my wife uh, sat down and discussed uh, for really like years. We did a lot of planning around around it. So uh, I would say it was probably at least a, a three year process to where we got all of our financials and logistics just uh, hammered out to the point where we did test trials on how much money we would need to make or bring in with my my job or my income not being there. Um, how long could we last with it? We also did uh, switching of insurance. So basically, um, depending on what type of job you're at, normally you have a one-time per year to change whatever you're going to change about your insurance. And so in between those three years, we changed over and put you know me and my daughter and everybody on her insurance to see what that cost is going to be. And then we were able to get all of my numbers put into place of what living was going to look like and, and know how much money I was going to need to bring in from the business in order to continue to live the lifestyle that we were living. And being able to have a spouse that would even um, entertain the idea was, was amazing. And uh, I can't, I can't, you know, compliment or uh, put her up on a high enough pedestal to, to really show my appreciation of, you know, what she's done to allow me to be able to do this. And, you know, I'm working really hard to try to return that favor because, you know, I can see in a day-to-day actions that, you know, she needs that, that relief, that, that ability to be able to, you know, enjoy something that she wants to do and not just have to, to work on it. Because no matter how you look at it, with somebody, with somebody that loves you or, is, is, or anybody sees you doing something that you just truly enjoy and then they're still doing something that they kind of like, eh, you know, I, I do it, but I don't really enjoy it. You know, it starts, it starts picking away at them. And um, I just want to be able to return that joy to her. The way the way she has kind of blessed me with with it. When you just look at a furniture business or a business in general, it's a duck on the water and it looks all calm and put together on the top. But there's a lot of stuff going on underneath. There's a lot of planning. You didn't just jump right into having a company. You put time in and you had years putting a plan in place. So when you did jump in, you were able to focus on the business side as much as you could, and you weren't focusing on how am I going to live? How am I going to support my family? How am I going to do this? So, so you took some of that stress off of you. Granted, there's still a lot of stress when you own a furniture company, but you were able to mitigate that a little bit by putting a plan in place that you tried to follow. That plan, turning your furniture company from a side hustle, something that you were doing 
with another full-time job to actually going full-time with it. When you're, when you're looking to go from the, the side hustle to the full-time gig, um, a lot is taken into consideration. But I think uh, the, the, the biggest thing that you need to do is, one, know your numbers on the personal finance side and on the business side. And know, like, when you're doing the side hustle thing, you're going to work and then you're, you're getting off work and then you're going back to work and say you're working to midnight, one o'clock. Like, you know, the thing you're looking forward to of being able to work, you know, regular hours and enjoy it, that that is there. It's true. It feels great. So if you're looking for that, then yes, go for it. But at the same time, um, when you get ready to make that jump, I wouldn't make that jump unless I had, say, six or seven months worth of backlog that I knew that, all right, when I make this jump, I got something to do automatically. There, there's money already locked in. They've put their deposits in, and this is going to last me this long, and I have this long to get more jobs before I really hit my face, you know what I'm saying, and splat. But um, going full-time is nothing to take lightly, and um, because what you're doing is you're removing a part of your support system from your family and having to replace it with another. And now it's no longer as easy as just going and clocking in. Now it is fighting yourself every day because now you have all this freedom. Freedom can be dangerous when you're not used to it. You know, um, when you go from full-time you know, nine to five to full-time entrepreneur, you all of a sudden have this freedom to not get up early and go to work, not necessarily go out to the shop until, you know, nine o'clock or something like that. Or, you know, say, oh, well, well, I got plenty of time before this job is due. I'm just going to, you know, relax today. I'm just going to stay inside and watch TV. All those things are going to present you with problems. And then what happens is, your deadline comes up and you find yourself working at 2 a.m. in the morning to, to try to keep your word and keep your your integrity of your business together. Because for me, my word is my bond. And if I told you I was going to be done on this date, then I want to make sure that I'm done on this date. Because then if I'm not done on this date, then eventually your reputation starts going down. And then you can also start getting bad reviews like, hey, this guy was a poor communicator. He didn't tell me that the job was going to be, you know, this far extended. And, you know, I, he promised this and couldn't deliver. All that stuff comes into play if you don't keep your word. And so going full time, you need to, you know, just be be wary and be cognizant of the additional free time that you're going to have and the decisions you're going to make are not just for yourself, but they're also for, for your family and whoever else you're supporting. Along those lines, along the lines of having a plan going full-time and making sure you have money and projects already saved up so you can supplement that full-time paycheck with your business, when you do make that money, how have you been investing it back into your business in a way that makes your business continue to thrive? Well, in order to invest in your business and to grow it, you have to have a vision on where you want your business to go. 
Um, you have to have goals set in how your business is going to look and, and what, what do you picture it as being in the next however many years or, or the end all be all. What is it that you see your business being? And if you're not there yet, what does it take to get there? What piece of equipment is going to get you there? What what uh, what piece of software advertising or, you know, um, management organization you know tool is going to help you get to this 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 place and it really just comes down to knowing where you're going and breaking down that big plan into workable sizable um smaller plans so if you have a shop and you don't have all the tools you want then you work to get that or if you have a shop and you realize that you're working inefficiently you need to you know work to figure out what's going to make your shop more efficient what's going to make it more of a workflow and able to get more product out and and be able to increase the the bottom line at the end of the day um so for me you know, buying equipment right now is is something that's on my mind in order to reach the goals that I have, which is, you know, I want to transition some of my well, my work into full out custom kitchen cabinetry and conference room tables, because basically the goal for me is to increase profit margin. So to do bigger jobs, same amount of time, larger profit margin and be able to take the additional time that I, that I gained from not switching from one job to another job to another job every other week to being able to take that extra time that I gained from doing, say, one or two or three big jobs throughout the year to being able to have more time to spend with my family. Like, you know, there are times where I have to remember that, hey, I left my full-time job to be able to spend more time with my family. I didn't leave it to come in here and, and as much as I enjoy it to be out in the shop working, you know, crazy amount of hours um, and still be away from my family. Um, so the goal for me is, and for whatever you guys may, may have for goals, should be able to, you should be able to free up as much time as, as you possibly can. Like time freedom is is more of a wealth status to me than, than the actual money. The money is just a tool, but the time is being able to to enjoy my, my time with my family and being able to just go out and do things for my family and my friends and you know people that I enjoy being around and not having to work all the time. That makes sense to me. You mentioned Google reviews as a way you get a lot of your business and you get a lot of your business coming in through your website and through people searching for you. Can you talk a little bit about how you set yourself up to be successful getting business that way? Because it's a hard thing to do to stand out on the internet as a furniture maker. Yes. Yes, it is. I, I think I tried the hard way the first time, and that was by trying to do uh, Google ad campaigns or back then, I think it was called AdSense or something of that nature. But um, you quickly learned that if you don't have a lot of money, then your little bit of money that you're spending doesn't go that far when you're trying to do ad campaigns and you're trying to compete with the guys who are paying top dollar to be put on the first page at the top of the page. So um, 
when I first got started with my business, I would always get these phone calls from these uh, third-party companies trying to get me to register my my website with Google. And you know, I didn't know what it, what it was, and so I would just kind of you know brush it off, brush it off, brush it off. Well, finally, took one of those companies up, and you know, long and behold, I didn't know then, but I know now that you know, I could have just did it myself for free. But if for everyone listening that hasn't done this yet, um, and you have a website, go to Google and get your, um, just type in, type on Google, register my website or register my LLC. What that basically does is it goes in and anytime you, you Google something and say you're looking for something and say, say you're looking for a woodworker near me, basically when that Google search comes up, that's what registering your business does. So you can set your keywords of what you want to be searched for by. You can set your location. If you have a location that you want people to come to, you can also not set it if you don't want people to come to your location. Um, you can set your business hours. You can set up photos. Basically, if you go look and read Google reviews or anything that you do or whatever, that's basically what that is. So if you haven't already registered your website, you need to go register your website and get that started. And then basically your goal is to is to get as many five-star reviews as you possibly can on your website. And based on what it is that people are searching for, if you have more reviews or a higher review rating, then your business will be put in front of the others. So in my area, if I go and type in cabinet maker, I don't really register high on cabinet maker, but if you put type in woodworker, then I'm like one of your first ones that's going to come up because I have all five-star reviews and I have a lot more than everybody else. And for whatever reason, I, I'm apparently the only person that answers the phone when um, when, the, when somebody calls for woodworking because sometimes people have called me and say, well, the other guys, they just didn't answer the phone. So and you did. So, so you get the work. <laughs> and it just happens that way sometimes because throughout this whole process, you know, I haven't been, you know, like, you know, the biggest or the baddest or you know, th- anything like that. There are other people in my area that, you know, have established cabinet shops, established woodworking shops. And and I'm sure they're getting plenty of business. I mean, it just so happens that the business that I've gotten has fit my business and it fits the customers. I, it's, it's even gone to the point, especially in the pandemic, when everything was crazy and everybody was trying to, you know, make new offices and do new things and whatnot. I was having cabinet shops that had just simply seen me on Instagram push push work to me and say, "Hey, I, I seen his work. His work looks good. You can go ask him if he'll do it." But we're we're backed up right now, and you know, I finally got to meet one of those guys. And it was just, it was pretty cool to say thank you in person. It's just it just it just works out that when you get your name or your your company out there, that how much business is really out there. One thing people fail to fail to realize is how many people is in this country, how many people is in this world, versus you just being one person. So there's a lot more work out there than you could ever even handle, but. The question is, is, do they know you do what you do? And the biggest part about business is letting people know you do what you do. And when you let them let them know that, how are they going to see you? How are you representing yourself? And you, 
if you have a website out there, make sure that it looks professional. Make sure that it looks the way you want to be presented because somebody may come along and say, I, I want to do this. I want to do this for him or I, I need something done. Can he do it? And if you don't look professional from, from the go, that old saying that your first impression is your last impression, it kind of comes into play right there. So, you know, getting your website done and you don't have to get it done by no professional. My website is, is, is one of the drag and drop type websites where I just did it myself and I modify it as I need. Your website is your calling card. It's your business card. It's your window into the world. And the first thing that people judge you on and you need to have a strong first impression because you laid that groundwork. You put in that effort to build quality furniture and to be able to showcase that. And you said it, even on those projects that you were doing for inexpensive, you were still building them like they were expensive projects. And so you were honing your skills and your portfolio at the same time to now be able to be recommended by local cabinet shops where instead of seeing you as competition, they're seeing you as somebody who they'd gladly recommend clients to because they know that you can get it done. And that is the beauty of being in the furniture community and being a part of it and not being just locked in your own shop and to talking with people, to talking with people in this industry, because you're never going to succeed on your own. And you can't view every other furniture maker as competition. You need to view them as people who you can talk to and support because who knows, maybe those people that you thought were your biggest competition send you work like they were, or they go out of business and you know them and they give recommendations for you. So that's always an important thing to remember that building a community around you is very, very important. And also you got to remember too, um, to return that favor. I, I, I don't always have the time to do every project that comes my way either. So I know other woodworkers and cabinet shops in my area. And if a customer has uh, something that, you know, they're trying to get me to do, but now I don't necessarily do, or maybe I don't have the time to, or doesn't fit their timeline. I will always try to help the customer out, even if it's not for me doing it. So whether it is like, I have a guy uh, pretty local to me that does refinishing. And I get a lot of, a lot of calls saying, Hey, can you fix this? Or can you refinish this or do that? You know, I had to tell them like, no, I don't do that. But would you like the information for somebody who does do that? And that I recommend, and they're, you know, they're appreciative of that. And, you know, so, or if I don't have time, you know, I have other people that I've met through Instagram that I know, you know, take on these, these jobs as side hustles and they would love to work or whatever. So I'll, I'll pass on their information and, and, and keep our community thriving. I mean, I, it's even to the point where if somebody comes to me and says, this is what I want. And I'd be like, well, well, what's your budget? Because this is something that you can easily buy. The thing is, is if, if you're calling me, you call me for a specific reason. It's either it doesn't fit or it's something specific. This, this is specific to what you need. Or do you just want to, you know, want a piece from me? 
because there are some pieces of furniture or some pieces of cabinetry that if you're looking for budget, then I can point you in this direction. I can tell you what price, what price range you can be in and you can go down here to this cabinet uh, store or maybe this Haverty's or this Ikea or whatever it may be. I will sit there with the customer or the person that's inquiring or something and let them know, you know, where it is they can find what they're looking for. You know, sometimes they may not be ready for a custom piece right now, but one day they might, they might be, and they'll remember that you were polite and nice enough to, to give them um, the information that they need to, to get what they want at the time and what they can afford. You always have to remember that client interactions are important and there's no other way to say that you have to remember that like you said a client might come to you and they might not have that budget for a piece of furniture at that time but if you leave a good impression then six months a year two years three years down the road they might remember that and when they do have a budget they might come to you so it's always important to put on your best customer service face when you are talking with the clients because you never know where your next job is going to come from. Yep. You showcased it very, very well, saying that you give projects to people and people give projects to you and that's money in everybody's pocket that would not normally be there if you weren't all working together. So community i can tell is very important for you along the lines of helping out in the community and giving back to the community and being a part of the community and there's a lot of people listening that are in the furniture community that want to start a furniture company of their own but they don't really know who to turn to they don't really know how to start it they don't know the best way to jump into it. And there's people who have been doing this for a long time who have had success in their business, but feel like they want to reach higher. So from your experience, from your place of running a successful furniture business, what's some advice that you could share with people who are looking to succeed in this industry like you have? Don't be afraid to ask questions to, to the people that you see doing it and don't be deterred if they don't want to um, answer your questions or they don't get back to you or whatnot. Um, I'm always here. I'm always the open book. You know, if you message me, I'll tell you what I know. And if I don't know it, I'll tell you who I think knows it. And um, when you're, when you're trying to, you know, get your whereabouts of, what it takes to start and what things, what tools you need and things of that nature. It's, it's so much information out there and there's so many makers out there that, that, that are willing to help. You just got to be willing to be persistent until so one of us answers your question. And, and I know, I know none of us are really any, any, you know, perfect or, or, you know, master of this or that we're all, figuring it out like as we go so that that's another thing a lot of times people perceive us as you know somebody that's successful or not and the, the reality is is it's not about what we know it's about how we think and 
how we think is, is we want something and we're going to do what it takes to get it um, outside of, you know, causing harm to somebody to get it. But we're going to do what it takes to get it. We're, we're problem solvers and we're persistent in figuring out how to solve issues on, even throughout woodworking and throughout day to day lives. There's a there's a thing that you're going to realize when you become an entrepreneur is your back is up, up against the wall at the, the moment you, you leave that that comfortable job. Your back is up against the wall all the time and you don't have a choice but to survive. And while the momentum is flowing and things are thriving, you better push even harder because when things are not going as well, you need to have some type of nest egg or cushion to fall back on because it's not always going to be, you know, money flowing, jobs flowing, turning down jobs and things of that nature. Sometimes you're going to have to make, make a decision to change up the game and figure out how to make money. Like we, we run businesses, but at the end of the day, as entrepreneurs, we make money. And if, if, my, if my furniture side of my business stopped right now, I would quickly run and switch over to say a handyman business or whatever, whatever other skill that my, my skill can translate to, I'll, I'll switch and go to that. It, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is that my family is fed and my bills are paid and I can survive another day long enough to figure out how I can do what I need to do to get back to where I was or where I want to be. Spoken like a true entrepreneur. I really do appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and to share your story and your journey and your success with everybody listening. And thank you from me and from everybody listening. And I wish you all the success in your business wherever it may take you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. And as you know, we can talk like this all day long. I know it. Thanks so much for listening to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you like to listen. To learn more about the show, you can visit buildingafurniturebrand.com. And feel free to reach out anytime to say hey, ask a question, or suggest a guest for future episodes. Our email is hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can follow along with me on Instagram at TheBuildWithEthan, and I can't wait to bring you the next episode. This show is produced and edited by me, Ethan Abramson. Hope you enjoyed, and thanks so much for listening. The Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson podcast is proudly part of the Woodpreneur Network, the media network and community for wood entrepreneurs. Check out woodpreneurlife.com for more information.